0: people are always on the move your home may be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host
1: hey jeff and elliot this is oliver shillington from the flames i just want to thank you guys for uh hyping my instagram account up Uh, i appreciate all the support and um, let's get on with the podcast
2: uh that's awesome uh we got by the way a lot of thank yous uh from some people when we uh as oliver says hyped up his instagram for each that was really nice
3: of him start the podcast i am honestly without (laughs) speech so was that a ryan leslie thing Amel? because that's something that ryan leslie would be more than happy to get
1: peter
2: Peter Hanlon. Peter Hanlon. Okay. who's the media relations yes. guy for the first flames. star. a boy. As
3: Elaine Bennis once said, I am speechless. I am mm. without speech. You got me on that one. Excellent. Uh, what a way to kick it off.
2: 32 Thoughts, the podcast brought to you by the all new GMC AT4 lineup. And uh, yes, this will be the Jack Eichel edition of the podcast. And uh, Elliot, before we get into the uh, the finer strokes, the details of the deal, uh, you've had a busy day or a busy couple of days uh, driving to Buffalo, going to Jack Eichel's house, interviewing Jack Eichel. My first question for you is when you walk into – I'm always curious about this about athletes, about anybody really. When you walk into Jack Eichel's house, can you tell he's a hockey player? I didn't. You can't. No paraphernalia
3: all over the place? No, not old really. college jerseys and nothing like that? No, not really and maybe it's because he's hurt and he needs a surgery, but you know, his gear wasn't around. I bet you, for example, if he'd been skating more often, his gear would have been somewhere. And I think also, and I will defend him on this one. Cause I remember him telling me this. First of all, his place was very tastefully decorated. I don't know if it's him or his girlfriend or somebody else who did it. Uh, but it was, it was really nice place. And he did admit That they kind of cleaned it up a bit for our arrival. Hmm. So maybe that took some things away. But while we were setting up, and I want to give credit to our camera guys, Alex and Alvin, because, you know, camera guys, they're a bit. I don't know what the right word is, but they like to take their time when it comes to setting up that, you know, sometimes they'll say, Oh, you're doing a fancy sit down. We need two hours to set up. Mm -hmm. I was like, guys, gotta get the shot, man. Gotta get the shot guys. You know, he just got traded. We don't have two hours for you guys to set it up. And so they, they did it as fast as they could, which was still about an hour. They were really good. Those two guys deserve a lot of credit. So while they were doing it, I had to do a, a radio interview. And so I went off to another side of the house, and I found a piece of paraphernalia slash memorabilia. And I said to Eichel, "This is going in the interview. You are going to have to explain this to us." And I think it's going to air on Saturday night on Hockey Night. Yeah. So it's a te- this is called a tease. This is called a listener or viewer hook. This is a hook. But it was hilarious. But no, you wouldn't. I don't think you would have gone out of your way to notice this is a hockey player. Okay, so
2: you arrive there. The trades already been announced. I'm guessing Eichel's in a great mood at this point.
3: Oh yeah, he's he's happy. That, you know, there was something really interesting he said about how he was embarrassed about the discourse around him.
1: You know, it's been a long process. It's been dragged out. It's probably been. Um, it's not probably. It's definitely been made a lot probably uh, more public and and um, a lot bigger deal in, in the media and feel like people have been talking about it and quite honestly I feel a little bit embarrassed it's uh <clears throat> as a hockey player you want to be you know you want to be in the uh, in the media and you want people talking about you for your performance and and good things and your team winning games you know not not things like this so it's, it's definitely been um it's been a little tough at times just the conversations that people are having about you or you know about whether it's a trade and and surgery and just your whole situation but
3: he said that at this time of year, you want to be playing, and he's not playing. And And now he sees a path to returning. Mm-hmm. And I really do think that he's excited to be a Vegas Golden Knight. I think he's, he's really happy about it, really happy. Uh,
2: as you mentioned, you're going to be able to see some of this on Hockey Night. Uh, we've seen some of this on Hockey Central, at our YouTube channel as well. I don't want to give too much away because I do want people to watch it on our various platforms and on on Saturday as well. Is there anything before we get into this trade that you want to say about your sit down with Jack?
3: Well, you know, first of all, I want to say that Eichel had decided he was going to talk today. And so I drove to Buffalo on Wednesday night and I woke up on Thursday morning at at 730 and I saw a text at dated 305 AM saying, you better be working. On this when you wake up Andrew Peters was actually the first one to kind of get it out the former Sabres player who co-hosts the great podcast with Craig Reve and I didn't realize that at the time I saw that note and I sent a text and you know I got information back that it was Vegas and it was done so I actually didn't realize till later that Andrew had been the first one to report it and you know it was a scramble and I was staying not far from where Ike lives and we went over there and, and he was excellent to deal with. But I just think for everyone, him, the Sabres, their fans, I think it's great that this is over. And, and that's what someone said to me yesterday that you can debate, you know, who won the trade or what the return was. But one thing you can't debate is it's a good thing it's done. Mm -hmm. And I do agree with that. It it was time to move on. And, you know, my ego is not so large that I would think that my interview is the reason the deal got done. You know, I do think Buffalo wasn't crazy about the idea of him talking without a trade being done. I I think, you know, the Sabres, I, I do think were concerned about what he could have said if he was frustrated that he was still a Sabre unable to get the surgery he want and not get traded. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't think that was the reason the deal got done, but I do think it was something the organization was aware of.
2: You know, I talked to uh, Pat Breeson on my radio show and he said, you know, much like you've talked about here on this podcast and elsewhere, this is a deal where it was hot and then it cooled. They thought a couple of weeks ago, a deal was close and then it went away. It's like, you know, a melody in a symphony, it rises and it falls and it vanishes and then it returns. And they thought they had it last Friday bleeding into last Saturday and then it went away again And Brisson said that, you know, we had a really good feeling that it was going to be, you know, sort of Wednesday into Thursday that this deal got done. And so we all know what it is. It's Eichel and a third uh, in exchange for Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, uh, top 10 protected first in 2022 and a second round pick as well. What I thought might be interesting to do on the podcast here is. You know, borrow something out of the pages uh, of the great Akira Kurosawa, and that is, you know, Russia Man effect here, which is look at this event, not just the trade itself, but the entire saga, because this has been a story. But look at it from a number of different angles and from a number of different
3: people's points of view. So, Okay, first of all, I would just like to say, yes. how many people listening to this podcast, let's take a second out of it, yeah. were rolling their eyes at Jeff's Akira Kurosawa Rashomon You love,
2: listen, I know you love Kurosawa films too, so you can just stop free. You know that
3: (laughs) gif of Robert Downey Jr. just rolling his eyes? That was me. I just want everyone to know that. I know I'm not the only one.
2: They did a tribute to it on Gilligan's Island once, Rashomon. So if you want, we can do a Gilligan's Island look. (laughs) At the Jack Eichel trade, yeah, this is a really hip podcast. We're doing Gilligan's Island references. Oh god, we're so old. Uh, they kicked us out of this industry yet? Soon, soon, soon. So I'm just gonna throw at you mainly names, okay. and I want you, I want you to, as best as you can, put yourself in that person's headspace over the course of this saga and let us know what you think was going through their minds
3: okay okay that's, that's actually a terrible reference but a good idea okay is a, is, a, it.
2: is a very hipster reference man i love me some kurosawa movies okay we'll start with the obvious one yeah jack eichel
3: You know, for Jack Eichel, I think he was pretty honest in the message. I enjoyed getting a chance to talk to him because there's so many things we'd heard and you didn't know what was true and what wasn't true. But, you know, he was pretty honest. Um, You know, you could only air so much of the interview. We're going to air more of it. I I was able to add some more quotes in the written story. But what I really appreciated was he walked me through his decision-making process and I learned things I didn't realize before. Number one... He was given three options, which was sort of conservative treatment uh, therapy, and then, you know, two surgical options fusion or the disc replacement. And at the beginning, he took the conservative therapy, the treatment. And, you know, after about a month, he started to realize I better start looking at the other things. And then after three months, when he said, You're kind of told if you don't see improvements, you're not going to, he kind of went into the picking between the two surgeries. And he he said, and I did hear this, he did a lot of research into the two surgeries and why one was better than the other and why he chose the disc replacement. And he talked about it, about range of motion, about people saying they'd had issues uh, with the fusion. And I asked him, were you afraid to be first? He says, I understand why people could say that, but I really felt I did the research and it was almost like he was saying, I earned the right to make the decision Hmm. because I didn't take it as a joke. I took it very seriously and I learned what I had to learn and um you know he said it's my body my choice i'm the one that he said you know there's going to be a time when i'm no longer a saber or they're no longer paying me and i'm going to have to live with the choice i made you know it's a convincing argument it's it's a very convincing argument and You know, the other thing too is, and he admitted it's been ducked before. It has been believed for a long time now that Jack Eichel asked for a trade after the 2019-20 season when the Sabres weren't invited to the COVID bubble. I'd heard it. Other people had heard it. It had been denied to us in reporting. And, you know, this time he just came clean and said, yes, you know, that was true. So, and he talked about how he felt that that situation And the fact that he did that affected the relationship with ownership. And it's like, I called it like a marriage gone bad. You know, when he was drafted by the Sabres, you look at it, great market, American market, Mm -hmm. ownership that's big into USA hockey, one of the top American cornerstone players of his generation. It seemed like it was perfect, right? Mm -hmm. And we've talked about it before, Jeff. You have to really love someone before you can really hate them. And I just think that that trade request poisoned the waters. And it's a major reason we ended up where we are. And and he agrees with that.
2: We're going to get to other people that um, that you touched on there, namely uh, Kevin Adams. Uh, I want to get to you know your thoughts on what Terry Pagula, the Pagula family really uh, have gone through with this cycle saga, even going back to the trade request. But one thing that I don't want to get lost here, and so I want to get to it early, put yourself in the minds of a Buffalo Sabres fan. What do you think they've been through, through all of this? As you look at it through a fan's lens, on a player's lens or an agent's lens or a manager's lens. Through a fan's lens, what have they been through here in the Eichel saga?
3: Well, first of all, I have a real soft spot for the Sabres fans. Uh, I'm a Toronto guy. You know, We've talked about, both of us, how we ta- watched Sabres games growing up on WGRZ. And Ted Darling, man. Ted, Ted Darling, Darling. You know, whose son has worked with both of us for a long time. The Sabre dance song that was the mm-hmm. intro. If you're from southwestern Ontario and you're a sports fan, you know, like myself and a lot of others of you listening to this podcast, you understand the passion of the Sabres. And, you know, when I went to Western and met more people from St. Catharines and sort of that Niagara region area, you understand even more the passion of the Sabres and the Bills and how much they mean to those people who grew up there. The other reason I have a ton of respect for the Sabres is and their fan base is if they're not playing but there's a big event on, they're watching. Their jerseys are generally among the hottest selling. Now, the last 10 years have really hurt that fan base. And I don't blame those fans. Like, you know, 10 years of losing will test anyone. Those are great fans. And I told you the other day, I don't check my mentions a lot, but I I watch them as they came in today. I was in Buffalo, so I was listening to WGR and, and listening to some of the reaction of the trade. And there's a lot of heartbreak. And I think some people blame Eichel and some people blame the Sabres. And what I feel from the Sabres fans is just a lot of pain. This should have worked. Mm -hmm. This should have been the start of the next great generation of Sabres. And I think they look at him and the way he's leaving. He's going to go light it up in Vegas. Who doesn't believe that Jeff? And it's going to hurt those Sabres fans to see it. And I feel badly for those real passionate Sabres fans because they're great hockey fans. Like one of the things I thought about the last decade was Chicago's fans finally got a chance to see them win. And no matter what we feel about it now, in the moment, they got to celebrate it. St. Louis's fans finally got a chance to see their team win. Washington's fans finally got a chance to see LA their team win LA's fans finally got a chance to see their team win when I think of fans in the NHL that deserve to see their team win Buffalo's are right up there Mm -hmm. and I think this is painful for them because they know that Jack Eichel the prime of his career should have been spent in Buffalo
2: then let's take this from the Terry Pagula or uh, Terry and Kim uh, mm-hmm. Pagula, the Pagula family's point of view. I, I We've talked about this before. I'm of the, the firm belief that Terry Pagula, no matter what happened, you know, midway through a season, end of a season, things going bad. He always had a belief that as long as they had Jack Eichel, things were ultimately going to be okay walk us through what you think terry pagula went through in the eichel saga i
3: think it should be terry and kim pagula because while terry is the owner of the team kim pagula has a major influence on the team Mm -hmm. she's definitely involved i I, i've seen her many times at nhl board of governors meetings you know she very much has a say look eichel said it that when he went to them with a trade request they took it very personally. And there's two groups of people in the world. I can say this about a lot Mm -hmm. of things, but there's two groups of people in the world, Jeff, the people who can say, I understand that this is business. And the people who don't understand that because it's a sports team, right? Sports teams aren't, I mean, they're businesses. I think we all know that, but they're not Mm -hmm. supposed to be businesses. They're supposed to be escape for a lot of fans. But, You know, Jack Eichel saw this as business, his trade request. And then they were so hurt and they were so disappointed. I have no doubt it made the situation harder. You know, we'll never know what Jack Eichel was going to say about the medical process. Because he was traded, he talked about his own path through it and his own feelings. He left the Sabres side out of it. But you heard what he said. He said...
1: I I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, another time. Unfortunately, like I... Uh, if I hadn't been traded last night, that would've, that would've, the question would have went differently.
3: And again, it goes back to what I said about the fans. I think the Pagulas saw Jack Eichel the same way the fans did, as a U.S.-born savior mm-hmm. of their team. And when he asked for a trade... They saw it as a betrayal and it affected the entire process. They haven't said anything publicly, but I think it's not unfair to say that they were hurt. As hurt as the fans are, I think the owners were hurt, rightly or wrongly, no matter how anyone feels about that. I know you're all going to have your opinions. I'm just dealing with what I believe to be your facts. I think they were hurt and I definitely think it affected the process.
2: Do you remember that um, initial press conference when it was announced that Pagoulos had purchased the Buffalo Sabres? And I
3: drove down to Buffalo and was at that press conference.
2: So you'll remember then Terry Pagula in tears when he, uh, when he noted that Gilbert Perot was there. I think in the Pagoula's mind that they had in Jack Eichel this generation's version of Gilbert
3: Perot,
2: 100%, who was going to take them to the Stanley Cup. I, I think that's how Terry looked at Jack Eichel. This is our new Gilbert Perot. Yep. He's taking us there.
3: And the other thing too is, the other thing too is he got the big extension, you know, 80 million plus over eight years. I'm not convinced that that's a deal that Jason Botterell wanted to do, but the ownership, I think ownership wanted to do that deal. Mm-hmm. So that adds to another level of, of how they feel.
2: We've talked a lot about Kevin Adams. As much as you can, put yourself in his mind through all of this. He did a couple of trades in the offseason, namely Ristolainen and Reinhardt. But we knew this one was going to be the whopper. You're Kevin Adams going through all of this. Give us that perspective.
3: Well, first of all, I think Eichel was in the toughest position because it's his career, right? It's his career and he's trying to get the medical care that he wants Mm -hmm. and we've said many times i agree that eichel should be able to choose what he wants but the second toughest position i believe is adams because he knows this is the biggest trade he's ever going to make you'd think and he knows his ownership is really unhappy with the player so he's got to manage both of that so he's sitting there and he's saying, I want to make a great trade for us, but my owners are breathing down my neck and the player is extremely unhappy. And I think in the last couple of weeks, especially, and Eichel, by the way, credited all of his agents, Peter Fish and, and Peter Donatelli, who were his first agents, mm-hmm. and then JP Barry and Pat Brisson, who were second ones. But I think over the last couple of weeks, Brisson and Barry really turned up the heat. They knew they had a really unhappy client and they were turning up the heat in any way that they could. And that is not an easy position to be in. Now, one of the things I've talked about in the last couple of days, especially after the deal was done, Jeff, was how Krebs got in the deal and that was a big key for. Buffalo and that's what helped close it but I think the other thing that happened here is that Buffalo needed a player who was willing to come to him and say I want to be a saber like I had thought that they might take guys to flip somebody called me on Thursday afternoon and said you're not necessarily wrong about flipping a guy but what you are wrong about is that Buffalo was tired of players who wanted out of Buffalo. They really thought they had to do something here where they got a player who was happy to be there. And when Alex Tuck comes out and talks about how excited he is to be there, Mm -hmm. you know, Adam said that too. He said, you know, he wants to be here and there are other teams who were convinced that Buffalo wanted Tuck because they knew that that would be his attitude. You know, the one thing I've learned, we've learned about Adams is he's got a lot of patience. He's very patient. Like I'm generally pretty good at compartmentalizing. I have my moments, but I'm generally very good at compartmentalizing. I wonder if Adams is really good at it because he's taken a lot of heat from every different direction and he's still sitting there and saying, I have a goal and I'm going to hit that goal. And, you know, he got Krebs, who's a guy he wanted. He got Tuck, Who's a veteran talking about how much he's willing to be in Buffalo. I think those things were important to Adams and the Sabres. Hmm. I'll tell you this though. Like I think Adams is really good at keeping a secret because I know he's at least he doesn't give me very much. <laughs> Jerk. But I'd love to see the phone logs between Calgary and, and Buffalo on Wednesday night. I think the, the Flames were really unhappy with the Sabres. But I would be a little bit surprised if Adams leaked because I think he really tries to keep, keep things very quiet.
2: Leaked in order to drive the price up, which many speculated.
3: We'll we'll talk about that because I, I do think I wanna, that... I want to
2: get to Calgary here in a yeah, second, but there's okay. other stuff that I want to do. But if you want to finish that thought, we can finish it and then move on. Your your call.
3: Like Adams doesn't strike me as a leaker. He, he really does. Now, do I think the leak might have come from elsewhere? Yes, I, I, I definitely do. But Adams does not strike me as a leaker.
2: One more thing in Camp Eichel. As best you can. I mean, he's a veteran agent. He's been around a long time. Uh, wildly respected, um, your thoughts on Pat Brisson through all this, what goes through Pat Brisson's mind as he came in, you know, after fish and Donatelli to quote unquote, I guess, close the deal here, uh, with Eichel take us through Pat Brisson's brain, if you could.
3: Like a players don't make switches for no reason, right? Being an agent is one of the toughest businesses I've ever come across. Like it is a nasty, nasty, nasty business. Mm. Not only do you have to negotiate and advocate on behalf of your clients, but you've got to fight to keep them. Because when things are going sideways, you've got people in those players' ears saying, yeah, your agent's not doing a great job there. Yeah, I, I, I could do a better job for you. Or maybe you have a teammate saying, yeah, my agent, I think, would handle this better. It's really, really nasty. So when a player makes a switch, they're not switching because they're happy with the way the world is revolving. They're making a switch because they want action. So pratt Brisson comes in and gets Eichel. It's not because... You know, he's going to sit on his back deck in a bathing suit drinking pina coladas. He's got to go to work. And if anyone knows Eichel, he's an intense guy. He's Boston. He's in your face. He's intense. He's competitive. He's demanding. He's determined. Mm -hmm. And what he expects out of himself, he demands out of others. And he went to person to close this deal and I think it was hard. So you're facing a challenge of how do you get it done and you have a client who wants it done yesterday. I think it was just as stressful on the agent as it was on everybody else. He worked hard. He created pressure points for the Sabres. They had Eichel go to a whole bunch of doctors. You know, the breakthrough was, you know, two weeks ago, they got a doctor and you know I've got his name here on a piece of paper uh, Dr. Frank Camisa he is basically what it works is when you disagree with your team you can get a second opinion Dr. Camisa is on a list of NHL recommended doctors to get the second opinion and you know he agreed that the ADR was a good recommendation and that help change things and they took them to a whole bunch of different doctors they kept on getting more and more medical reports saying this was legitimate and they tried everything they could to put pressure on the sabers like (laughs) they worked to earn that trade there's no question about it
2: To the Vegas side of things, uh, we'll start with general manager, Kelly McCrimmon. Your thoughts on him through all of this?
3: Well, I, I got a text tonight from, you know, someone in the Western Hockey League, and it made a good laugh. And it was about what it's like to trade with Kelly McCrimmon. <laughs> and what, what was the line here? I'm just about to read it. Oh, Yes. <laughs> The word I will use to summarize making a trade with Kelly McCrimmon is hell.
2: <laughs> oh, yes.
3: And you've got another grinder there working with him, and and that's George McPhee. George McPhee. Like, you've got two real grinders there. And you know what's interesting about this is, someone said to me on, geez, I don't even know what day it is anymore. I think it was on Thursday. They said to me, maybe it was Wednesday, whatever it was, before the trade happened. So it must have been Wednesday. He said, like, I think we all understood, this is a guy from another team in the league, You know, Vegas is in it to win it, and it made sense for them to make the gamble on Eichel. But all of a sudden, they're really banged up, and their playoff spot isn't guaranteed. How do they feel about that? You know, that's something we wouldn't have been saying about Vegas at the beginning of the season. We were all saying if there was one team that was guaranteed to make the Pacific Division playoffs, it was Vegas. Mm Mm-hmm but i think vegas just looked at it like we believe in our group mark stone not too long we'll find a way and we'll be better off for it and there were a lot of reasons here for them to say we can't make this deal especially cap but they were like nope we'll find a way now someone joked with me on thursday morning that some Vegas player is going to come up with a hangnail the next couple of days because they're going to need six to eight hangnail, six to eight. They're, they're going to need guys to get on LTIR. <laughs> but Buffalo asked for a lot. We know they asked for a lot. You know, people looked at the final trade and they were like, really? That's it? But I think what Vegas said was like, when did they agree to put Peyton Krebs in it? I think it was recently. And I think Vegas's point was look, if you want us to put Peyton Krebs in this, That counts as extra stuff from us that you would have asked for from other teams. And I do think Peyton Krebs is a guy that Buffalo liked a lot. And Vegas simply said, look, if you want him and you get him, that means you're not getting other things. And Vegas held strong to to that position. One other
2: person I want to ask you about in Vegas through all of this, who... I don't want to say I feel sorry for it, but maybe just I feel for. Yeah. And here it is again with this person. Scott Luce is the head of amateur scouting Mm -hmm. for the Vegas Golden Knights. And there go more picks. Mm -hmm. They trade away first rounders that they've drafted. They trade away future first rounders, second rounders. Doesn't matter. They're all in, as you mentioned, in it to win it.
3: What do you think goes through Scott Luce's head? Adding to that, he's a Buffalo guy, so I'm even more curious what he would say. Look, I, I think if you're them, you're telling him, this guy you took 17th, and, and you know you're the junior guy. Krebs got hurt, and t- and people backed away from him, right? Yes,
2: he fell because of the injury.
3: And now, you know, two years after being the 17th overall pick, he's the cornerstone for a, a franchise center, a number one center. Mm-hmm. Like I think what you say to Scott Luce is. Congratulations. You took a guy 17th overall that we could turn into Jack Eichel. And the other thing too is, and, and you know this this better than me, Daniel Chaiko, they took 38th overall last year. You know, people really like that guy, right? Yep, they do. Nick Suzuki, you took 13th overall. He's not yours anymore, but he, he looks like he's a hell of a player. Nick Haig went 34th overall. He looks like he's a heck of a player. I think at the end of the day, you you look at some of those picks and you say, we can respect that, and we need you to do it again. I want to get here.
2: Um, Brad Treliving, GM of the Calgary Flames.
3: Yeah, he's not very happy, I don't think, right now. So the whole Calgary situation is really interesting. I've said this many times. I think Calgary was in this the whole way. There have been some reports they were close, I don't like to say I'm any smarter or better than anybody else. I'm just saying what I've heard. I don't know that they were ever close. As a matter of fact, I've been told that they they weren't close, but they were always there, and they were always trying to find a way to make it work. Like I think they were willing to deal their, some of their top prospects. I think they were willing to deal upcoming first-round picks. I think they were looking to deal maybe a a player or two off their roster, but they didn't have anyone that Buffalo liked as much as Krebs. And they didn't have anyone that Buffalo thought would be as excited to go there as Tuck. And those are what I heard were the two big strikes against Calgary. The other thing too, is I think Buffalo asked about Kachuk and I think they asked about Mangiapane and Calgary just, wasn't willing to go there and I know it got out. I don't like shooting down other people's reports. I've had that done to me. I don't like it. The internet was set afire by the whole Kachuk thing, you know, that the night before the trade was made. I really think that at that time, everybody knew the deal was going to Vegas. Like when I saw Eichel on, Thursday, I said to him, I thought the deal was getting done last Friday. And he said he actually thought it was the day before that. And it was Vegas. And I think for a week now, everybody kind of knew it was going to be Vegas. Like one of the things I heard they were arguing about was the protection of the first rounder, which ended up being one to 10, Mm -hmm. but I think both sides were kind of fighting over that. But I think everybody knew it was going to be Vegas. And I think that's why Tree Living is so mad is because not only was it Kachuk name out there, but I think at that time he knew he wasn't getting the player. I think he knew it was over. And so I think Calgary was always there, but I never got the sense that it was close. They tried, they tried, they tried, but Buffalo didn't like, their guys, as much as they liked Krebs and talk, hmm. Jordan Eberly first had trick and crack in history. Yeah, I know. I'm just seeing that sticking into the Buffalo Sabres here. By the way, I saw that you retweeted something while I was talking. Yes, that's right. But that's something good we're going to mention at the end of the cast. So it's good to know that while I'm droning on and on, you're like looking at Twitter.
2: Well, there have been plenty of times, and I'm always impressed at how Emil, um quiets up your audio on the podcast. Where I'll be talking, and I can hear you typing.
3: Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but but that's because your stuff is terrible. Mine's actually good.
2: <laughs> we will talk about something that John Bartlett's doing towards the end of this podcast here. But
3: um, so I read Eric Francis's story on thursday about how like it's pretty obvious the flames are blaming adams for this because him and uh, kevin weeks used to play together again i would be surprised if it was adams you know based on what i know of him it Mm -hmm. would surprise me but i do think that was you know hey like we've all been kind of there before it was definitely a leak with an intended purpose but I think there's two things that probably drove Tree Living crazy. And I, I didn't really get a chance to speak to him on Thursday. And that is that number one, you know, now your fans think that you had this offer on the table and you couldn't get the deal done. And I just don't think that was the case. I, I, I really don't. And secondly, is now Kachuk sitting here going, wait a sec, we're 6 1 and 2, WTF. Mm -hmm. And you have to settle him down.
2: And my line is awesome, by the way, if you have Matthew Kachuk. And my line is playing great.
3: Yes. And, you know, one of the things I think the the Flames did weigh was we're we're going well here. If we trade Kachuk and get Eichel. We're waiting. We just hurt ourselves for three months at least. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, again, I, I don't think they were trading Kachuk in the first place in this. But I do think that they looked at that and said, okay, even if in theory we did, we're really subtracting through the dog days of the NHL season.
2: You see, the thing about Kachuk's name there, to me at first glance, it didn't make sense from the Buffalo Sabres point of view. Certainly you want the player, but there's a contract issue attached to it. Now he is... In a position where his qualifying offer, I believe, is just south of $9 million. So he could just accept his qualifying offer, play next season, and he's an unrestricted free agent. I can't see Buffalo interested in that. Other than if it was going to be the Flames and Kachuk was going to be part of it, it came with either an extension or he gets flipped to another team. Those would be the only two scenarios that I would see working. If it was going to be Calgary and, and it was going to be Kachuk in the deal. That's the only way that I could see it working.
3: And like I said earlier, there are teams who believe, and, and if you listen to Adam's press conference, it fits that Tuck was key to them because he'd want they think he'd want to stay. Right. Let's get
2: into the the mindset of a couple of other teams here. Now, okay. in your in your in your interview with Jack Eichel, he mentioned, you know, hey, I thought I was going to Colorado and Minnesota was there and We've, uh, we've talked about the Rangers a couple of different times, the Anaheim Ducks uh, as well. And the Carolina Hurricanes, you mentioned on Thursday morning that they were in it. I don't know how deep they were in it. You can fill us in there. But do you have a thought on the other teams, the other moons in this orbit here?
3: You know, first of all, Carolina, I think they kind of bided their time. and You know, under Dundon, he likes stars. You know, first of all, Eichel's a good player. And secondly, I think he likes the idea of stars. I could have this star playing for me. Now, I think they kind of botted their time and waited. I do think they eventually got into it. But one of the things I, I heard they kind of discussed was, we have something special brewing here. We have a good team with players who are good players and really seem to like each other. And they've bought into what the coach is selling. And we just have a mindset and an attitude here. And, you know, not to say that Eichel's gonna like completely destroy that, but it's kind of like you don't want to upset it. You don't are are you really do you really want to change it? And I do think they weighed that. You know, I also think that if you're Buffalo and you're trading Eichel there, you're probably asking for a Seth Jarvis, right? And I'm not sure that they really wanted to do that. So I think at the end of the day, they looked into it, but they just ultimately decided this wasn't something that they wanted to do. But I do think they were in it. You know, Minnesota, that's not a surprise. I think we all knew at a time, there was a time where Bill Guerin was looking at it pretty hard. Colorado, uh, I'd reported that they had shown interest. But I have to say Eichel was more enthusiastic about it than uh, in terms of his belief that it could happen than I had heard. But, you know, I always assume that the player knows more than I do.
2: You know, the, uh, the other name that I, that I wondered about when you mentioned Carolina um, on Thursday morning about, because I'm with you on Seth Jarvis, I, al- I also wondered about Martin Natchez as well as, you know, young future stud player. What about some of those other teams? What about Colorado? What about Minnesota? What about the Rangers and the Ducks?
3: We just talked about Colorado and we just talked about Minnesota. So I think that covers what we know about them. But I hadn't heard Anaheim's name in a while. And I think they dropped out. I I think for whatever the reason was, whether it was the ask or the the surgery or the whole situation, I, I think Anaheim just pulled away at the end i hadn't heard their name in a while and the rangers you know when they got sabinajad done there was no way they were going to be able to do it yeah without retention i think the other thing too is that i believe the rangers felt that the only way it was going to end up there is if their package was monumentally better than everybody else's like i don't think they thought it was impossible but i think it had to be like if trade with vegas was going to be this Trade with Rangers had to be this time's a billion. Hmm. Someday I'd like to find out what some other teams did here. You know, Montreal, I heard Bergevin wasn't convinced that Eichel was the right play.
2: That That's interesting because they were, you know, the last time Buffalo put a center to market, Montreal was, Montreal was very interested in Ryan O'Reilly.
3: I heard Bergevin wasn't sure that Eichel was the right play. Columbus was one that always made a lot of sense to me and they could make the deal. And they're really private. It's it's not easy to get information out of there. I'd be curious to know what Columbus thought about the whole thing. L.A. could have done it, but I heard, you know, once they got to I I think that was the road they preferred to go down, even though they're not really the same player. You know, Colorado is the one. Like, when we found out they were, they at least asked... And now to hear Eichel say he thought maybe it was more than that. You know, someday I'm going to fill all these guys with true serum and we're (laughs) going to find out what really happened.
2: Is that carny for booze?
3: Whatever you want. (laughs) Different things work for different people.
2: Let me ask you this one then not a person but a league the nhl how do they feel about what just happened
3: i think they're happy that that it's over i I would bet you that when they made this provision of the cba they never thought this would be the result Mm -hmm. i guess it's always possible and you prepare for every circumstance and they try to prepare for every circumstances but i don't think you ever really thought that this was going to happen like You know, Sidney Crosby did very unusual treatments for his concussion and neck problems, which worked, but the Penguins backed it. They're like, oh, this is Sidney Crosby. We're gonna do it. Yeah. And Connor McDavid's recovery from his bad knee injury a couple of years ago, you know, the oilers really weren't sure about this, but they're thinking it's Connor McDavid and he wants to do it. Although initially he wasn't sure, eventually decided to do it. And you're saying, okay, it's Connor McDavid. We're not going to argue with him. Well, all of a sudden, now you have a situation where the Sabres have said, we're going to argue with them. And I, I don't know if the NHL ever expected this, but I think they're glad it's over. Uh, and so is the Players Association. And I did ask this about Eichel and he didn't answer this. When the CBA is up in, in five years, this is going to be a big flashpoint. The economic issues are always number one. But this article or this area of the CBA, it's going to be a big issue because the players noticed. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of players who were who were saying, "Oh, what if, what if that's me?" And I'll tell you, if I was Buffalo, I would be worried about that. I would be. I, I, if I was the Sabers, I'd be worried about how players would feel about our organization because they fought Eichel on this.
2: Hmm. Do you think that is that is now a recruiting red flag?
3: I will say I had some players say that to me. Hmm. How would you feel about that? That could be me. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, a lot of players were watching intently because of that very question. Yeah. Hey, this is Jack Eichel, but one day this could be me. The one thing I wonder now is, now that um, you know there have been NHL, NHLPA doctors who have said, listen, we're fine with ADR, and now Jack Eichel's going to have the disc replacement. I wonder now if this makes it impossible for another team to try to, if they have a similar situation as Eichel, to block the player from having this type of surgery.
3: I think what it does is it shows everybody how this is going to work, right? Mm -hmm. If the team tries to block it, what the players' options are, and how nasty it's going to get. Like This was nasty. Oh, yeah. It was personal, and it was nasty. And everybody now understands the cost to the player, the agents, the team. Everyone's going to be looking at this and saying, yeah, yeah, we don't want that.
2: What are you thinking if you're Peyton Krebs? I like, by the way, that they're starting him in Rochester. I think that's a really smart idea by the Buffalo Sabers. Mm-hmm. Start him down there. Don't just jump him right in with the Buffalo Sabers. There's no need to present him right away as, "Hey, we don't have Jack Eichel, but we have this player." Let him develop more. Um, you know, with JJ Paterka and these types of players, Jack Quinn in the American League. I like. I think that's a really smart idea. And you know what? Turn the temperature down around the Jack Eichel trade, there's no need for that player to be with the Buffalo Sabres right now.
3: The thing, number one, you have to tell them, hey, you're wanted. Yeah. I remember when I was still working at the score, and this is not a me covering basketball. This is, I used to cover baseball. (laughs) And after the Expos traded Pedro Martinez, I went down to spring training. I interviewed Carl Pavano and Tony Armas Jr., who were the guys traded for him. And you could see, and this was spring training. They were already tired of talking about it. Hmm. They hadn't even thrown a pitch yet, except (laughs) off the spring training mound. It wasn't even a spring training game. It was just like pitchers and catchers report and they were tired of it. That is so hard to manage. We really talked about earlier about Adams is a good compartmentalizer. Mm-hmm. You have to be really good at that to handle this. This is not for everyone. But I think you have to build Krebs up. You have to say, this is a team that wants you. I like the AHL thing too. And they added him right to their Twitter handle. That's great. That's where they said, come down and watch Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka. And by the way, now we add Peyton Krebs to that too. Come down and watch him too. I love that. I thought it was great. Mm hmm. I just think you have to build the guy up. Again, it's like the Brian Campbell story when he signed his big deal and the Panthers said to him, don't think of yourself as having to justify the $51 million or whatever it is. We gave that to you because you earned it. Just be you. Mm -hmm. And that's what you have to tell Peyton Krebs right now. You don't have to justify being traded for Jack Eichel. Just be you.
2: Just be you. Um, final thought, two things. One, uh, as we wrap up the podcast, thanks for hanging through an entire podcast based on Jack Eichel. And many people are saying, guys, all your podcasts have been about Jack Eichel the last six months. We will move on, I swear. Final thought on uh, on what we've just been through. And then who's the next player we're following getting traded?
3: You know, uh, Hallford and Brough asked me that on Thursday morning in Vancouver on the Sportsnet radio station out there. And I said, maybe it's Dylan Strom or maybe it's Branstrom. They go, what about Thomas hurdle? And I said, well, San Jose is going really well right now. Like, do you think that guy's getting traded while they're going really well? Like it, it seems to me like you have a better chance to keep him. So I, I don't know. I, I might dispute him right now. Maybe it's, one of the Leaf defensemen they're looking at moving. Hurdle staying where he is if they keep playing well. I mean, you know who it is? It's probably Kessel. Um, By the way, big victory by me over you in the in-season cup on Thursday night.
1: I really don't want to talk about it. Nothing like winning the cup
3: for the first time and getting five days off right after to just sit with it and build up my bank.
2: It's the worst. I'm not going to touch a single win. I have Tampa. I have Carolina. I'm not going to touch a single win.
3: I am rooting about for that. you to go winless the entire season.
2: Can I get a piece of... the? Hey, listen, if I go winless... Can I get a piece of the uh, piece of the pool, piece of the pot? I
3: do think that like that's you remarkable, get, like yes. really remarkable. I I do think if you go winless, you should get some sort of prize. I don't know what it is yet, but you should get a prize.
2: <laughs> I'm sure you and David and uh, and Cameron can come up with something for me uh, if I go bagel on this uh, on this season. Okay, yeah. Before I wrap up, this is uh, a great initiative launched by our colleague John Bartlett. Wonderful guy, heart's in the in is in the, very much in the right place. So on November fourth, uh, John Bartlett announces an initiative he's part of called Very Inclusive Playgrounds. It's a uh, I'll read part of the release here: a game changing day for playgrounds in Canada. John Bartlett proud to announce the official launch of Very Inclusive Playgrounds. Uh, a nonprofit organization that helps to plan, design, and build fully accessible and truly all inclusive playgrounds that will allow children to play together regardless of their abilities, providing communities a safe place to promote dignity, understanding, and respect among children and adults while educating the public about what inclusion looks like. To check them out, uh, on Twitter and Instagram, it's at VIP Playgrounds, and the website is VIPPlaygrounds.ca. John Bartlett, uh, you are a very talented broadcaster and a very generous human being as well, and someone we're all proud to call a colleague and a friend. Well done, Bart's. Excellent, Bartz. Taking us out today, Elliot Nobro, a four-piece punk band from Montreal who dropped their debut four-track EP a year ago. The group is hitting the road in February with Billy Talent and Pop. And if you're in the Philadelphia area, check them out on the 17th with Tokyo Police Club. With their latest single, here's Nobro with Better Each Day on 32 Thoughts, the podcast.